edition of the Pixel and Roll Show, where we discuss a team that maxes out their two best players, your Washington Wizards. Hello everyone, this is Adam McGinnis, it is July 13th, 2016, and it's hot, hot here in the summertime again. I got my family coming in, I'm really excited, I'm headed up to New York this weekend to show my nephew and my father New York City for the first time. Going to Yankees game, we're going to the Nats game here in D.C. on Friday night. But enough of me personally. With me today is a man that I have been just fired away on the IM. The instant message, the G-chat. He is, how do I describe this guy? Uh, he knows where, you know, obviously knows where all the Steez is buried, where all the the Pierre is buried. And, you know, obviously knows where all the Andre Blotch uh, headbands end up. Mr. Jake Whitaker from Bulls Forever. Jake. What is up, bro? How are you? Well, well, I was doing fine until you talked about going to New York. Um, now, if, if you're taking your own family away from D.C., that's um, going to continue to hurt Washington's reputation to recruit free agents. <laughs> but it's not too late. You could totally revamp those plans, and, so, and sure, then we'll be um, right at the top of the free agent class next year. So, should, I, should I get my nephew a Derrick Rose Knicks jersey? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> If you want him to break his knee, sure. <laughs> well, he's a golfer. I do not want to break his knee. Uh, I am going to Mama Fuko uh, yeah, tomorrow well, night. I got reservations, and we are going to the Nats Pirates on Friday night, do some tourist stuff. So I am pumping some in, some money into the local economy, but they've never been in New York City, so I'm headed up there. And the funny part is I told my father, uh, hey, we're, uh, we're staying at Airbnb. And he's like, what's an Airbnb? He also asked me about pickpockets, how much cash he needs. I was like, oh, my God, Father. Uh, you don't need to worry about pickpockets, <laughs> and uh, you don't really need any cash. Just just have your credit card. <laughs> We're good to go. But, Jake, yeah. uh, we have – how's your summer been, man? What's, what's the word? Uh, I know you happy anniversary. I know you and your wife had your anniversary on July 4th weekend. It's, how was it? Um, Pretty uneventful, actually, because uh, I was busy doing all the free agent stuff, and – so your she wife, hate, your wife hates you. Um, your, your wife hates she, you. Your wife hates you now, or is she, she well, like, no? Well, it's, no, it's give and take because uh, she had a bunch of stuff going on with her work um, that weekend too. So we kind of were just like, yeah, you know, we'll just kind of do some little stuff now, and you know, do some bigger stuff once things calm down with it. So you know, calm, but yeah, we got through it. So uh, you're out there in Winchester, out there in Virginia. Is there any big? Fourth of July celebrations. You guys got a parade, or you know, um, they shoot off fireworks out of an apple. Yeah, just like we have, like pretty much. I mean, it, it, like they cleared off like some of the streets in downtown and shoot some off on like the Sunday, you know, on the third because they didn't want to keep the old people up on a, on a work night. So you know, it, it was kind of 
call him Noah, but it worked out. It's it's Winchester's pace, I guess. You know, America's birthday, Declaration of Independence, when you know a bunch of our elitist elitist colonists decide to say fuck you to the British. It also was the day that Kevin Durant decided to say peace out, Oklahoma. Where were you when you heard the news, and what was your immediate reaction emotionally when you found out? I'm assuming you're on Twitter. Um, yes, I was definitely on Twitter. <laughs> it was just kind of a you know lazy morning, so I'm just like, well, you know, he said he's going to announce this morning, so I'm just going to chill by the computer here and see what happens. And you know, it was something you know with the way the reporters kept saying, oh, you know, Warriors are in the mix. Don't count out the Warriors. And it was just like you know, the longer you kind of just. But it still stay felt. In the it heart, still felt. Like, it still felt far fetched, right? Even though Woj was reporting that, it still felt like until it happened that it was still not going to happen, right? Yeah, it was. It was kind of one of those things you, you don't want to believe it until you actually see it. But then when you do see it, it's like, well, why didn't I just believe what everyone was saying? And that's kind of like what it was like when it was like when the flood of tweets finally came in. It's like, oh, he's definitely going to Golden State. It was just like, how did we not see it? But also, you know, why? <laughs> it's just. Were you were you more, were you more surprised that he left Oklahoma City, or were you more surprised that he went to Golden State? Honestly, I think I was more surprised that he left. You know, it just felt like it was just kind of like the last betrayal, in some regards, of that pure innocent Kevin Durant that most people like grew up, you know, really idealizing as like the next, you know, like the anti-LeBron. Totally. And then you know now we've kind of come full circle, and now he's just the next LeBron in some regards. And then, you know, like, it was weird. I don't know if you saw the interview. Um, he, he did something, I think it was, like, with nice kicks where they asked him why, you know, his shoe prices have gone up so much. And, you know, he said something like, you know, you know I don't think I'm a, you know, $88 player anymore. <laughs> and he was like, whoa. You know, he's just fully embraced, you know, there's a business side to it now, and it's not just about basketball. And I guess that's kind of, I guess, the loss of innocence that comes with getting older. What did you think about the reaction towards it? Um, you know, I mean, I, it it's not really any different from the reaction when LeBron went to Miami. There's just always people who are going to be upset when, you know, players don't, I guess, do it the traditional, conventional route of, uh, you know, sticking with the team that drafted them and hoping that their team's, get it together enough to where, you know, they can be title contenders. But, you know, I think it just kind of shows that players really don't care as much about, you know, what fans perceive of their legacy as they do about enjoying who they play with and defining their legacy on their own terms. And Well, let me, yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me quote Markeith Morris. It just ain't right, bro. It just ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that seems like a very very Markeith uh, take. Um, you know, I feel like if he was uh, a TV analyst, he would definitely be on that side of just, you know, you can't team up with people and, you know, you've got to do it the wrong way. And, you know, that's if, if that's the kind of edge that he needs to, you know, play the way he plays and do the things he does, good for him. Well, but, it, uh, well yeah. the thing is, is that, like, I wonder but, if money-wise... Competitive-wise, familiar-wise, it made sense to stay for one more year, right? Like, like that's why I think everyone missed it, dude. You can go opt in one more year. You and Russell Westbrook, you should have beat Golden State. 
you can make more money next summer. And I think that, that those three things, everyone looked at it and was like, okay, he's going to re-up with Oklahoma City, and he's just kind of teasing, playing his way playing these options out as a free agent because that's what you can do as an employee but he didn't do those things what why do you think he did what he did i mean well i I think part of it was you know he saw you know that there was a unique opportunity there with the warriors that there wouldn't have been next year because you know steph curry would have been due for his extension and you know just with the way the cap spike was only really gonna be a huge jump this year i think it was just kind of a if he's gonna go to the warriors it had to be this summer you know he, he wouldn't yeah, I think, you know, it's just, there, there was never going to be another kind of perfect storm of opportunities like the one he had this summer. And so, you know, I kind of get that. And, you know, to you know, I know we've talked a little bit about, you know, kind of the whole myth of um, a bunch of good players in a contract season. But, you know, there's always the chance that that could have messed up dynamics, having your, your two best guys in a incredibly small market, both on expiring deals and with Oklahoma City's penchant to not let guys walk for nothing, except in the case of Durant, they probably, you know, they might have panicked and tried to trade one of them anyway, if both had stayed. So, you know, at least in this sense, Durant controls his destiny in a way that he might not have if he had stayed for another year. I think that it's different if, say, the Golden State just beats them in five games, right? Or say that they lose the Spurs. Like, we have totally different viewpoints of this. And the fact that they had had them beat, and they don't have them beat, and then you go join them, I I feel like that's the only real credible take for fans. More so, like, for fan emotional reaction. Like, that to me is more resonant than, oh, my God, like, you, like, you should just stay for the team forever that you're drafted from and make them a title. Like, I don't, I don't buy into that, but I do buy into the fact that like, yo man, like we're going to miss out for the thunder. You and Russ going right back at golden state next year. Like I wanted to see that again. And that's the part that like, I don't blame Kevin Durant for that. But as a, someone who loves the NBA, I'm kind of disappointed. I don't get to see that again. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, it just, now that you've got, you know, you've gone from three super, well, I guess, two superpowers and two contenders to for superpowers to basically just two superpowers. You know, it just makes everything else so anticlimactic in a sense. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, a team is going to rise up and, you know, in February we'll try to all convince ourselves that they're, you know, a legitimate threat to the Warriors or Cavs. But, you know, barring an injury, you know, we're all just waiting for round three next summer. Well, you mean the Clippers so, with Austin yeah, Rivers? Austin Rivers? Clip, the Austin Rivers Clippers? Like, they're ready to take well, that leap? <laughs> well, you never know. Jamal Crawford could, um, you know, find another fountain of youth uh, at age 37 <laughs> as, a, as a guard who relies on, you know, crossovers and athleticism that wins that ever failed uh, in L.A. with a shooting guard. So, so I was listening to a Zach Lowe's podcast with uh, Kevin Arnitz, and he basically was, or maybe, maybe it was him or Howard Beck. It was one of the two. I think it was Howard Beck. And he wrote this piece about Russ that got a lot of play, and they were kind of drilling down to it. And he was trying to say, like, he was talking about culture and everything it was about. And the part that people really, really latched on to was about the whole, you know, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook's relationship. And he kind of said that maybe this is Kevin Durant thinking that Russ is gone. And so if he leaves now, then he can kind of control his own destiny a little bit more. Like like you were mentioning, maybe I can go to Golden State, have more options. 
because Russ is not going to stay here. If you're Sam Pressy right now, what do you do? What's your play here? Yeah, I mean, I think it just, it just, you just have to actually have, you know, a, a relationship with him to the point where you can be honest about that stuff. And I think if you're pressing, you kind of lay it out. Hey, you know, there's no sense in you staying here this year. If you're going to leave next year, we can go ahead and get you set up where you want to be now. And that way, you know, you aren't a total villain here and you still get what you want. Hopefully they've kind of built that relationship. And if not, he can just kind of explain the benefits of, you know, if you don't want to be here, let's get this settled now then wait till February. But Jake, but like if you're Thunder Management, you're like, okay, you went down to the edge with Kevin Durant, top five player in the world. You got to do it. So now you have a top five, top ten player in the world, Russ. You just got burned by Kevin Kevin Durant. Can you do it again with Russell Westbrook? Or do you trade him one season in? I mean, I know there's rumors today with Boston, which seem, I don't know who Boston can give up that would make the Thunder, uh, you know, take that, take, that, take that package. But I also feel like if you're Sam Presti, the, you know, the GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder, can you really go down to the to the wire again next summer with Russell Westbrook? I feel like that risk would not be in the beneficial of your organization. Yeah. I mean, the only thing, you know, that you gain if, you know, Westbrook just leaves in free agency is, you know, you don't have, I guess, the blood on your hands the same way that the Thunder kind of do with the whole Harden debacle. Yes. But it's still at the same time, if, if you... If you let Westbrook walk, then you're also telling your fans, you know, in a young market where you know they really don't know anything other than Durant and Westbrook that they can't get stars to stay. There isn't an easy solution, but yeah, I, I, I think the key is if you, you know, just get the real pulse of where Westbrook's at, I think the Thunder can make the right decision so that they don't get left high and dry. I don't know if there's a so Thunder hashtag. We're well aware that there's a so Wizards hashtag. And my two buddies I grew up with in Nebraska, they both live in Oklahoma City. Huge Thunder fans. Uh, TJ and my boy Tyler, they're on the Twitter machine out of nowhere. They'll just, you know, they've been mocking me. This is a good segue. They've been mocking me all year about KD to DC. Mocking me. Oh, you're about the hashtag, all this stuff. And literally, I got two messages from both of them. One was sports suck, and the other one was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, both of them were just like, uh, like happy fourth, Adam. Uh, I hate my life. I hate sports. And then my one buddy, I swear to God, changed his Facebook profile photo to Russell Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, already loved, he already loved Russ, but I could feel the pain, man. And I was like, damn, bro. Like, I almost felt like if he came to D.C., that it would almost be better. But the fact that he went to the team, that they that they knew they should have won, they should have beat in game six. They had him beat. Like, they outplayed them the whole game to the last five minutes. That was the pain I felt in their messages. It's one thing if it's just personal reasons, but, you know, just to, to go to the dark side. Right, like that, but not that the Warriors are the dark side, but you, you're 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 straight up enemy. That, that's that's a hard pill. Oh, oh, dude! If Gilbert Arenas with the Cavs, I don't know what would we have done. Would Bulls forever just combust? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Antoine uh, Jameson went to the Cavs, and we forget, like Antoine Jameson went to the Cavs, and we forget about this. But you know, he was at the end of the end of his rope, and he didn't. It's a little bit different. He didn't play that well. But in Larry Hughes went to the Cavs, right? You know, not as not as not not the same yeah, at all. 
but totally different. But you know, little bit elements well, of it. But if Gilbert team. went, if Gilbert just straight up went and said like, I can't win a title in NBC. I'm going to go to Cleveland with LeBron. You know, after the whole free throws and talking shit and Hibachi and Soldier Boy, like, oh my goodness, I can't imagine what the fan base would have been like. Yeah, that, that would have. That probably would have just you know been a. Um, I, I think it probably would have been like worse Shut it than down. having him and the injury. It would be yeah, worse than the knee like, injury, right? Worse than guns and the knee injury, probably right. <laughs> like, how fucked right. up is that? Like, yeah, it, it would be worse tough. than the knee injury and guns if Gilbert would have just been like, you know, peace out of my prime. I'm gonna go play with LeBron. <laughs> well, what a segue, Jake, because this yeah. is a Wizards podcast. We've been talking for a while now about Kevin Durant. I'll just say what I put on Twitter after he decided to go Golden State. Two things I I, I said was, oh, oh my goodness, you know, wow, like everyone else. The second one was good for Golden State. They drafted well. They drafted Seth Curry. They drafted Draymond Green. They drafted Clay Thompson. They set themselves up by drafting, by being a good organization, hiring a good coach, to set themselves up to get a player like Kevin Durant, which was kind of obviously a dig against the Washington Wizards. And it was almost, and I said, a fitting ending of the KD to DC that, that he goes to a team that the Wizards could have had all those players and obviously and also... Harrison Barnes, a pithy slam jab at the organization of the Wizards, but also true, got a million retweets and whatever. Who gives a shit about Twitter? But it was a good inning for myself to get over KDDC because I was also still upset about that he wouldn't take a meeting with us, which I did not. I did not. I mean, I didn't think that he was ever going to come to DC. We've, we've, me and you have talked about this many times on this show. Me and you have talked about this in person. We've talked about it online. We never really ever said, like, oh, yeah, he's coming, dude, right? You know, and you would say you're joking about Kevin Durant mm-hmm. and you're joking about these things, about him coming to D.C., and you had a lot of fun on your site with it, you know, maybe too much fun at times. And I think people sometimes didn't get your humor, which I always did. But to you personally, what was the end of the KD to D.C. hashtag? Like, when did you believe that it was finally over? Was it when he signed? We didn't take the meeting? When was it when you were like, okay, this KD to DC thing is finally not going to happen? For, for me, it, it goes back to November when he was talking about the fans being disrespectful. Oh, God. Which just kind of felt... Weird, right? Like, it felt like a... Just, yeah. Jab? It, was just like a, like, it was a jab for no this reason. This isn't bit, right? what you do. It's just, yeah. It's just like... It felt like he was really just saying, like, y'all got to stop. This isn't... I'm not interested. Go away. Leave me alone. Enjoy who you have. Yeah, stop hollering. Like it almost right? felt like <laughs> stop hollering. You know, like stop. Like I'm not. I'm not. Uh, like I'm not available. <laughs> you know, it felt like like a guy, like someone who was trying to cheat on their spouse, but the person they were trying to cheat with just kept saying, "No, that's wrong. Go away. I'm not interested. What are you even thinking?" Like that's honestly. <laughs> Like, it was just like, why are you even trying to do this? I, I don't want to. <laughs> and so, like, to me, that was just, that was it right there. The whole crowd for that game, the whole vibe was off because of that. And then, you know, he gets injured. The Thunder win without him anyway on the road. And it was just kind of like, what are we doing here? This isn't, this isn't going to work for anybody. Well, what's funny about that too is like the year before was just as much as KD to DC stuff, but he doesn't see he didn't seem to really have that reaction last year to that two seasons ago, and then 
And then we beat them. We kicked their ass three years ago, four years ago. We had a game-winning shot, Bradley Beal's rookie year. And, like, that somehow, it all becomes, like, this one this one game that Kevin Durant gets injured, like you mentioned, which no one seems to remember, and Russell Westbrook went nuts. Actually, Bradley Beal got injured in that game as well. And all these other games were, you know, there was just as, I mean, maybe you didn't have the KD to DC hype. Maybe you didn't have people in the Durant Wizards jerseys. But you had people yelling for him, screaming for him, liking him. Like, it wasn't as, maybe it was just the media attention. Maybe now it's like, okay, this is the season. So he was, he felt this reason to, like, set, to say these things unannounced. I mean, because it wasn't like, yo, what do you think of these fans, Kevin Durant? It was just like, yo, dude, what's it like to be home? Right. I think it's wrong that you're doing this. And then people ask John Wall, and he says he thinks it's wrong too, right? And so that's what I thought was weird. I cut you off, Jake, but you're making a good point. Oh, no, no, yeah, it was just everything about that game, whereas, you know, in years past, you know, it was kind of like a celebration of the hometown kid coming back. And, you know, they do that, you know, when guys from Maryland and Georgetown come through. Like, you know, with Katie, it's just extra special because he grew up there. But then this year, it was just like, stop. This is weird. I'm not interested. You know, I'm just focused on the Thunder, which is, you know, what he had always said. Yes. But he, but he, went, he went to a next like level. That. He went to a next level, right? Yeah. You got to let it go. I was really close to writing something about how, you know, this was the night KD to DC died, like the day after, and I, I just didn't like it, so I didn't publish it. Yeah, but, you don't want those negative pixels, right? <laughs> yeah, from there, it just, yeah, it was just like, there was just enough negativity as there was. I didn't want to throw dirt on it. But Also, it was like the first week of the season, too. That's the other thing about the, the Wizards-Thunder games have been, in, have been in December, they've been in March. All right, season started. Here's KD to DC, second week. <laughs> like, right in your face. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, 2010 when, um, you know, there was all that hype that LeBron was going to go to the Knicks, and they only played New York one time in Madison Square Garden, and they were just like, yep, let's get this out of the way in early November, and then, you know, it doesn't become a bigger distraction, you know, as the Cavs are going for a playoff spot, and it felt like they were trying to do the same thing here, and to some extent, it kind of worked. That's right. Time of the show, commercial break. I have a sponsor, Sneakis, S-N-E-K-I-S.com, DC DMV Sports Apparel, dope-ass threads, fly gear. Hook yourself up. Hook your fam up, hook your friends up, you'll never regret it, and also you will support this Wizards Independent Media. At checkout, you get 10% off using the Pixel Roll code. So please go to the website, I really would appreciate it. Now, back to the show. What was your take on the meeting? Before we move on, we're going to move on. We're not going to talk about Kevin Durant this whole podcast. We have other Wizards uh, things to discuss, that's why you're on here. But what was the reaction or, let's just start with you. What was your personal reaction to him not taking a meeting? Just disappointment, like I was. I was. I was just kind of. You surprised? Uh, disappointed, but relieved. Yeah. You're disappointed just that, you know, we we're not gonna weren't. Get, we're gonna let on. We're gonna get teased. Well, the wizards weren't actually something. It's better to know that. Yeah, it, it's better to just know that you're not in the running from the get go, and then you can move on to other plans. Still, it's 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 just demoralizing. When, you know, so much is centered around at least having a shot and you hear about the teams that, you know, were able to boost their profile just from getting a meeting, even though it doesn't work out. And then when you don't even get that meeting, it's kind of like, oh, well, I guess Wizards just aren't on that level at all. And so it's 
it, you know, it makes you reevaluate things. Obviously, you can go back into the archives of my podcast where I go off on this, this tangent for a long time. But the two things about the disappointment wasn't about him coming here. It was about, like, I always thought, like, he would listen to John Wall and Bradley Beal. Right, he would listen to Scott Brooks. Mm-hmm. Like they would have a meeting, they sit down and be like, "This is our vision. This is our cap room. This is what we want to do. This is what we want. We want to bring you a ti- We want you to bring us a title here. This is what we have to offer." And the fact that he meets with Boston and the Clippers and not the Wizards at all, even though in the long run, I agree. Like right now, I'm I'm over it. I mean, I'm not. I'm, okay, I'm lying. I'm not 100 over it, but I'm majority over it. Right, but. At the point, like, that didn't happen. It's like, okay, so you won't listen to John Wall. You go to Berry Farm. You're Mr. Redskin. You have a curly dub tattoo. You have all this DC DMV. I've talked to you personally about your love of the city. Like, you're legit. You know, your mom, your dad, you know, your mom, your dad, your brother, your grandma. Everyone lives here. You love the Redskins. And then you won't even meet and then just say, like, hey, you know, I want to stay in Oklahoma City or even go to Golden State. I'd feel a little bit better. We hire your ex-coach. And, like, you won't even meet with your ex-coach? Like, what was management doing? Like, were they led astray? I mean, I talked to a front office guy about this, and they really kind of thought they were going to get a meeting with him. I mean, I don't think they thought that he was ever going to really maybe come here. The sentiment within the front office and the brass was they would at least be able to talk to him. But as we see how it played out, it seemed like he already has mind set up with Golden State no matter what really happened. Which, I guess in hindsight, is better for the Wizards organization, but still weird for a Wizards angle at, 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 at the moment, right? Yeah, well, I, I think it does... You know, if if there is one area where you can say maybe the Wizards get the benefit of the doubt, I know, you know, Michael Lee and Chris Manick both kind of reported about how Kevin Durant didn't like some of the the pressures and the stress that came with, you know, playing games in D.C. because he'd have to buy all these tickets, family and friends trying to crowd him for stuff while he's there. And if, if there's one you know, maybe spot where you give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was that because of those detractions that, you know, Durant just maybe never thought Washington would be a good idea. But even still, you know, you would like to think that Washington should have had enough intel then to understand, okay, Durant doesn't like this this stuff that comes with being in D.C., so we should probably geared towards something else because he's probably not going to come here even if we're great and we can offer everything he wants but at the same time you know if at the end of the day he's saying it's a basketball decision and the reason he went with golden state was because you know they're a great basketball team and he can fit in well there and it goes back to management and you could have drafted all the core pieces that golden state drafted to recruiting there there's a little bit of truth in both sides, but we're also not coming off of a strong playoff push. We're coming off a 41 to 41 disappointing season that is fired the coach, right? <laughs> it's like even though the coach is his old coach, but what is your attractiveness? So your your sell pitch is not not as strong as maybe it was a year or two years ago, correct? And so I get that from that standpoint. So let's let's go into you know our fans, people that are listening to this. What has been the sediment on your site from the fallout of his decision 
twofold, like to go to Golden State and to also just not take a meeting with the Wizards? Like, what has been the overall sense? It kind of breaks down into a couple different groups. There's the group that you kind of, you know, has the fatalism because they've rooted for the Wizards too long and it was like, well, you know, Durant was never going to come anyway. Who cares? Whatever. On to the next thing. And then you have a group that thinks it's KD's fault for not being truer to his whole hometown and, you know, disrespecting you know, the team they're not visiting with them. And then you've got, you know, another group that's kind of like, you know, in the middle, thinking it would have been nice, but, you know, it is what it is. What do you think the, the fallout for him will be when he comes to Washington State? He'll get booed, right? I think it'll be like like last year where they... He might get booed. Actually, to tell the truth, he might get booed all over the NBA now. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think it'll be like LeBron, like, the first visit to a lot of the cities will be rough. And I think Washington will kind of do what they did last year where they boo him at the start kind of half-heartedly because they feel like they're supposed to because Kevin Durant doesn't want fans cheering for him. So they'll, like, try really hard to pretend they don't like him for a minute and then it'll just kind of go back to being what it was. Yeah, I'm, I'm not – I don't think it'll be any kind of lasting bitterness because, you know, he's still a hometown guy and there's going to be people who – from the area who show up at Kevin Durant games that aren't tied to the Wizards who are just going to cheer and do whatever they do anyway. Well, let's move on. Plan B, Jake, uh, the front office, he doesn't tease us. Kevin Durant is gone, and the Wizards have plan B. Before we go to plan C or D, which is what ended up happening, Al Horford. So I asked you where you were at when you heard the Kevin Durant news. What was happening during the Al Horford sweepstakes? Because me and Kyle were on a tube down uh, out, out in your neck of the woods on the Shenandoah at the Ray, Virginia. And before we get on the tube, which I've mentioned on this podcast before, Kyle reports that uh, he's on his phone. He tells me, he's like, dude, uh, so it's between us and uh, Boston to get Al Horford. And I was blown away because I always thought that Atlanta was probably going to angle for him because they, they had a chance to offer more money. But now it's between us and Boston. Then I got really excited, prematurely excited, obviously. You know, so Wizards hashtag. We get on tubing. He checks back in, and Al Horford has picked Boston. But then I found out later that there was some some reporting that was kind of shoddy during it. Woj, I think, missed. He said that Woj, I think Woj had to report that he was going back to Atlanta. There was like an hour of moment were you following all this on twitter and then what was your reaction to just the al horford stuff yeah it was it was kind of interesting because i was you know trying to keep track of it the whole day it was it started out you know boston and washington were neck and neck but then you know throughout the day it kept feeling like almost that he was using boston and washington to get leverage from atlanta to get the five-year max he wanted and you know right up until the announcement it Everything kept pushing closer and closer to, you know, oh, the Hawks are just going to give him the max, and if they have to move uh, Millsap to do it, they will. But then, you know, all of a sudden it was just Al Horford's pick Boston. And it's just like, are you serious? Like, just out of nowhere. And and what's crazy is, you know, at the end of the day. Hashtag so wizards. Hashtag so wizards. Hashtag so wizards. Keep going. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it went from, you know, the, the Hawks. I mean, the uh, Wizards were the decoy to, oh, yeah, they were definitely right in it, but he decided on Boston. <laughs> and, you know, and, and what's crazy is, you know, from all reports, you know, 
I think the Hawks ended up about six million away from a full five-year max. So you know he's Horford left about twenty some odd million in that last year on the table to pick a different team, and you know it was almost Washington. You know, based on you know depending on what rumor reporting you believe and you know i i do believe that they were in the hunt because you know i think you could argue of the three teams in the hunt there you know washington got the biggest star of the bunch and you know i think at least the most proven starting core but you know i can't blame horford for seeing boston and all the assets they have to get you know either draft a star or use those picks to trade for someone and so it's just yeah Typical so Wizards going from, oh, we're definitely in this, to, oh, we're being played, to, oh, we almost had him, and then, you know, oh, just, oh, just oh, peak oh, uh, oh, fandom. Jake, when I, so when I wake up the next day on the Sunday after my, you know, drunken, drunken tubing experience, I wake up, and the first tweet I see is David Aldridge saying that, oh, wow, if it would have been Friday... Al Horford would have picked the Wizards <laughs> if he would have made the decision on Friday. Dude, I don't want to see this tweet, bro. Like, I really don't. Like, are you just basically saying that if it would have been, like, the last person to holler he went to, you know, or it's between us two, he's like, I believe David Aldridge. He's rep- There's no reason not to believe him. It was just, like, another blow into this fact of this plan that this team is doing because if they get Al Horford, man, like... Me and you, which is the next topic we're about to go into, you know, like we're a winner for free agency, right? Like it's the biggest free agency signing since Gilbert. Yeah. It is. It is. The whole plan works. Ernie Grunfeld. I am. I told Kyle we're on. We're on the on the tube. I'm like, yo, dude, if we get out Horford, man, like I'm gonna say good things about Ted Leonsis and Ernie Grunfeld and Tommy Shepard. I'm gonna say all these good things about the organization, everything they've done the last two or three years about. You know, saving cap room and all this all worked out because they got the star that John Wall needed, another all-star. And then it doesn't happen. You know, salt in the wounds. Now, Kyle actually will argue, well, hey, like, being in the mix was the whole point of the plan, correct? But then you don't get the guy. So then now you're like, well, you don't get the guy, so the plan doesn't work, even though you're set up to, to do it. And so how do you feel about how that all shook out? Yeah, I mean, I agree in the sense, you know, it's, it's a good sign that the Wizards were in the hunt. You know, there were people who thought that, you know, by Kevin Durant not even giving the Wizards a meeting, that that somehow hurt their reputation around the league. And I think the fact that they were in the hunt with Horford there um, is a sign that they weren't uh, really hurt by that, that they, you know, were still able to get to the table with some big guys. But, um, but yeah, like you said, you know, ultimately – it doesn't matter whether or not you got close with a free agent at the end of the day. It matters whether or not you signed them. And, you know, I think the whole saga goes to prove that there's still disadvantages um, that come with the Wizards, unfortunately, that they still have to show that they can fight past. Until they can develop into a better contender, they're not going to get the ears of you know, your elite talent, you're going to get the guys who you can offer the most money to in a, you know, a bidding war for your, you know, your sub max player. It's encouraging in the fact that the, you know, KD swinging this didn't hurt anything, but still a reminder that if you bank on trying to a big fish in free agency, it's, it's really not a great strategy when you're in Washington. Wow. You just great segue into quote unquote, the plan. We've heard 
We've heard about the plan, Jake. The plan for years and years. Uh, why do we not resign Trevor Reza? Why do they not give money to Paul Pierce? Why do they not maybe shore up a couple deficiencies over this team over the last couple of years that we know they sh- they should have done? All setting up for this summer, and they swing for Kevin Durant, which was you know obviously a butt swing. They couldn't even get, they, they couldn't get they couldn't get a dugout. They didn't get on, they didn't get on deck. But on out, how far it seems like not they not only go on deck, they're on the on deck circle, and then they're in the. I can't believe I'm using baseball analogies, but let's use the baseball analogies. They're like they're there, and then now we have Plan C or D, which is the Wizards' free agency. Immediately after that, all for news, they signed Jan Mihimi, another Jan, another French guy, not Kevin Serafin, another Jan, not not Jan Vesely, spelled. I-A-N, Jan Mahimi, to a four-year, $64 million deal. I think the numbers have changed a little bit, but let's just say $60 million-ish for four years. Just a reaction to that deal before we go on to the other moves. My initial reaction was a little bit of shock. Came, like, right away. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. For whatever you want to say about Ernie Grunfeld, you can't say that he wasn't prepared for the alternate scenario. You know, I think there's a lot of fear and worry that, you know, the Wizards were going to get, that they weren't prepared for what would happen if Kevin Durant said no or if Al Horford said no. And, you know, clearly they were ready and, you know, had that offer lined up. Yeah, it was surprising because I didn't expect them to, you know, I, I figured they would, you know, kind of go for like a luxury bench option if they struggled, you know, if they didn't get Horford. But I didn't expect him to go to center. And that's what kind of surprised me, especially for someone like Mahimi, who can't really move out to the four like Horford could have played alongside Gortat. It's a lot harder to make the fit with Mahimi and Gortat work. So that's what kind of surprised me a little bit. But now that I've had more time to think about it, you know, I, I think it makes sense because Gortat's you know, not getting younger. And with the way they have to invest in wing players with Beal and then Porter next year, the money you really needed to invest was in big men this summer. So I don't have a problem with the contract you got. I think you know, at the end of the day, it makes sense, even if it's kind of hard to play Gortat and Mahimi together. Vacuum. I like the move. If it wasn't about this summer, it's just the biggest summer. If John Wall wasn't like, we need a superstar, I need another player. And then it'd be like Yamahimi, who averaged nine points and seven rebounds, is like the guy we're giving our big money to. Like that's what that's what this team has been waiting to do for the last three years. <laughs> like that's the part that's like it's hard for yeah, me to separate. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, like it's like really we're gonna give money our big money to that we basically told fans to like, hey, we can't do this move, we can't do this move because we're waiting for this summer. We're gonna have this cap space, and then yeah, hey, we swung and missed. I get it. I understand. And and I feel like their contingency plan that you just mentioned of Ernie Grenfell, I felt like it was a decent one. Like Yamahimi can play defense, rebound. We need another big, protect the rim. Like I like him as a player. I feel like he came to his own as Indiana. But it just is a weird mix when you just already have Gortat locked up and these two guys can't play together, especially when we've seen how disastrous it's been when Nene and because you're basically replacing Nene with Mahimi, and we saw how how bad those two have been on the court, Nene and Gortat have been over the last two years. Now, they do make, I thought, a savvy move with Andrew Nicholson, a, you know, a player which I went to St. Bonaventure, played for the Magic. Of course, on the other, other podcast show, I mixed those things up and messed it up. I thought it was a savvy move at $24 million, four years, 
guy that can play, you know, 3-4, feels like he's developing. Uh, I had Scott Jackson on, 980, on another podcast. He talked about how he talked to the Prom Prophet the other day on his radio show. He spoke to the Prom Prophet, you know, former Wiz, former Terp, that is that has been down in Orlando and spoke nothing about glowing terms about him. 26, young guy, coming to his own. I feel like that move, to me, is a good move. And Now, it's not one that you're going to sell tickets on. It's not one that's going to get Wizards Twitter a flurry about. But I thought a very good fundamental basketball move by by the front office. Yeah, especially after you know you give up on so many draft picks, you have to kind of find creative ways to reinvest in having some youth. And I think going after someone like Nicholson, who kind of didn't fit in with what the Magic were doing, because you know now that they've got uh, Vogel, you know they they just want a bunch of rim protectors. You know it was a chance to get someone young on a decent deal that fits a hole for you and so yeah I, that's the the right kind of investment to make you know nicholson you know he has kind of still some question marks on defense and motor i guess but all in all that's the kind of guy that's roll the dice on so i was totally happy with that one i don't know who who wrote it and maybe it was zach Lowe, maybe it was somebody else like gortat mahimi nicholson and markeith like, that's a pretty good rotation for your bigs. Yeah. I mean, we don't look at like that. We don't look at like that, and nobody wants to hear that. It's like a consolation prize, but like, that's a pretty decent 4 or 5 rotation right there. Yeah. Basically, you get him to fill that Dudley role for essentially the same amount per year in this new cap relative to what you had Dudley for last year. And, you know, he'll still give you some of that outside shooting and hopefully um, a little bit better rebounding you lose some leadership and intangible stuff but all in all i think you're you're netting out about the same value for the same price well the moves continue uh ernie grunfeld moves at 20 uh you know i hate selling trading draft picks because that's what this team does but they trade a 2015 second round pick for trey burke from utah uh and they also signed jason smith to from Orlando again, I believe, to a three-year, seventeen million-dollar deal with an option for the third-year player option. The Trey Burke deal is he essentially has one year left on his contract for three million dollars. Taking a flyer. What is your opinion on those two moves? Burke, you know, in a vacuum, I, I don't really like Burke all that much. I don't think you know he never really seemed to fit in in Utah. And his numbers have kind of been on the downswing, you know, especially since uh, Quinn Snyder. Came came in and put it in a very rigid system in Utah. So I was a little bummed by that move, but, and, you know, especially the whole narrative of the Wizards giving up second-round pick uh, comes back again. I actually checked the uh, real GM, and the Wizards 2019, 2020, and 2021 second-rounders are all gone. They are? Right now. Uh, technically, they'll get the... Oh, are those, well, are those, are those ones for, like, deadly and shit? Like, what trades are those? Are those just picks that will never happen? Yeah, yeah. 2019 is Oubre. 2020, oh. they only lose if, they, you know, it's, like, in the bottom five of the second round. And, you know, 2021 was Trey Burke. Or no, what I yeah, said? So, 20, I said 2015. You know, they, God, they God, can't, did I say 2015? My bad. I said, shit, I don't even know the year. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah so it, it was... No, it's all good, but yeah, I mean, it's just basically it just kind of feeds back into that narrative that you know the Washington will always take the proven talent over the unproven talent, especially later in the draft. That was kind of discouraging, but again, you know, if you're gonna take a risk on a player, 
I'd I'd rather see Washington take a risk on a young player that, you know, if things do pan out, he's a restricted free agent. You can match any offer sheet. He could be a long-term backup for Wall. So that could work out if, you know, he if he fits in better here in Washington. And if not, you know, you're only tied to him for a year. It's not ideal, but I was okay with it. The Smith signing kind of confused me a bit. Yeah, I'm not, uh, just, a, I'm not a fan. It, I think even in a vacuum, you could argue the money per year for Smith is fine, but you know he, he's just not going to have a way to prove his value unless Mahimi or Gortat is hurt. And so I just can't see a way that his value stays high, so it's going to be harder to move him if he's not playing. I don't think he has enough mobility to really be a four for at least long stretches of time. It kind of reminds me of like the Chris Humphrey situation, but probably a little worse. Just seemed like a curious way to invest what little cap space the Wizards had left at that point on, you know, a redundant big when there was still so much left to address on the perimeter. I felt like if you're going to go to the big, you got to find what's going either a shot blocker, rebounder type, or someone that can shoot the three. Or you don't give Jason Smith three years, right? Like, that was the things that I thought was the curious moves, is that, yeah, like, Jason Smith, decent guy. I remember him killing the Wizards for the Hornets, you know, shooting those 18, 20-footers. He'll probably be a good locker room dude if he doesn't play for a couple of games. When he comes in, he'll probably play well. He seems like a professional. Like, he'll set some screens. Like, he'll do some things. You know, five, six million for that type of player is totally decent. But to go to the third year as a player option, when you just gave Mahimi... $16 $16 million. And so now you have Gortat, Mihimi, and Smith tied up for the next three years at $34 million guaranteed. They basically can't play on the court together, essentially. It just seemed very curious. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that. Especially you know, in this league where we're, we're versatility and stretchiness and stretchiness. I can't, that's not even a word, but it, I guess it is now in the NBA is more valued. I didn't really get it. Yeah. It- I, I, I get conceptually that, you know, this was probably the Wizards' only chance to really invest money in big men because Otto Porter's extension and Beal's extension basically tie up the Wizards' cap space until Wall comes off the books in three years. They could have gotten comparable production for Smith for a lot less and gotten someone, you know, a, a little better on the wings is like a, a third like perimeter option that could kind of float behind Beal and Porter and take some of the pressure off Oubre to be a consistent contributor next season. That concludes part one of my conversation with Mr. Bullets Forever, Jake Whitaker. Obviously, me and Jake could talk about this basketball team for hours and hours and hours, so I ended up having to cut the podcast into two different parts. So go check out for the second part of our conversation that should be up shortly. Appreciate everyone for listening to us. It's very hard to be a fan of this basketball team at times, but we cannot do what we do without all of you. And I cherish every bit of that, but not to get too sappy. So I will peace out. And as always, go Wiz. Bow, 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 bow